you're listening to the Wellness Cucina Podcast, where I give you tips and tricks about getting your family involved in the kitchen and making delicious and nutritious meals with ease. I'm Celestina, a chef, registered dietitian nutritionist, and a lover of good food, especially pizza. Do you ever find yourself with an abundance of herbs or greens that need to be used? Don't let those go to waste. Rather than letting them wilt or dry out in your fridge, turn your greens into delicious sauces that can be used on proteins, pastas, veggies, and so much more. Let's explore three different herb-based sauces from three totally different countries. These are some of my favorite sauces that I've kind of riffed on over the years, but today I'm sharing how to make them in their pure forms. That means, yes, I'm actually sharing recipes. I know I don't usually do the recipe thing, but when it comes to sticking to the originals and getting that flavor right, I do. At least for the first time, before you can explore it on your own and put your own twist on it. First, we're headed below the equator to Argentina, where they're known for their meats, marinades, and well-balanced sauces. Chimichurri is one of their national favorites and basically a national dish, even though it's just a sauce. But it is an herb-based sauce that's tangy, garlicky, and spicy all at the same time. And it is the country's go-to condiment. So traditionally, with a chimichurri, the herbs are going to be chopped by hand, pretty, pretty roughly chopped. But more modernly, food processors and blending can often be used to bring the sauces together. Personally, I'm a fan of using the blender to make this. I really like the consistency that the blender brings. Everything is well emulsified, everything's together, and it just turns this beautiful bright green color. So, without further ado, the recipe for a chimichurri. You're going to combine half a cup of olive oil, two tablespoons of red wine vinegar, half a cup of finely chopped parsley. It doesn't need to be finely chopped. You literally just have to pull it off of the stems. Three to four cloves of garlic, finely chopped or minced, two small red chilies or one red chili, de-seeded if you don't want it super spicy, and chopped as well. 3 quarter teaspoon of dried oregano, or fresh if you have it, and 1 teaspoon of salt. And then add pepper to taste. I like adding about a half a teaspoon. Really, you can keep everything as chunky as you want it because it's going to be in the blender. And it's going to get as whizzed up as it possibly can be. So don't worry about your knife cuts here. Just get everything into the blender. You want to blend it until it is as smooth as possible and doesn't have any lumps, bumps, and is basically just one consistency. This is the traditional way of making it, although I must say that I really enjoy the brightness and balance that cilantro brings to a chimichurri sauce. So although I am sharing the original with you, I would typically add another half a cup of cilantro to bring all of this together and just balance out that parsley. Next up, we're headed to Europe, specifically Northern Italy in the region of Liguria. And that is seemingly the birthplace of pesto alla genovese. Pesto literally means to create a paste. And cultures have been using mortar and pestles to create pastes as far back as the Romans, and probably even earlier than that. But the pesto that we know today didn't take its current form until the mid-1800s. And ever since then, the recipes have been tweaked per household. But the recipe typically consists of basil, garlic, parmigiano, pine nuts, and extra virgin olive oil. So the recipe I'm sharing with you is 50 grams, 
that's about one and a half ounces of small leaf basil. And that's basically like a small plant that you would keep on your porch. It is a significant amount of basil. Half a cup of extra virgin olive oil, 70 grams or about two and a half ounces of Parmigiano Reggiano, parm, about one ounce or 30 grams of Pecorino Romano, and that is a sheep's milk cheese, two peeled cloves of garlic, and about half an ounce or 15 grams of pine nuts. It's about a tablespoon. And then you want a pinch of coarse salt. So unlike chimichurri, I really like doing pesto in a food processor. The food processor helps to keep everything a little bit on the chunkier side. And if you notice that like when you're adding cheese to a pesto, it typically has more of a chunky consistency. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. So I really enjoy using the food processor to make a pesto. You have the option though, to put everything in the food processor at once and then whiz it, or you can do the pine nuts and the garlic first, make that into a nice paste, then add in the cheese, and then finally the greens. Then at the end, you'll want to drizzle in the extra virgin olive oil. I find that this keeps the greens nice, light, and bright, and everything else makes more of a paste and it just comes together a lot more homogeneously than if you were to just put everything in the food processor at once. Third way you can do it is a mortar and pestle. This is old school and not going to lie, guys, like this takes forever. I actually worked in a restaurant when I was in Vegas and we probably had to make like three quarts of this at a time. So you can imagine how long I was mortar and pestling for. It was literally several hours at a time. But if you skip the gym day and you need to work on your triceps and biceps, I highly recommend using a mortar and pestle. So to start with the mortar and pestle, you want to put the garlic in first and make it into a paste. Then you want to add in finely chiffonade basil and create a paste again. It's going to take a significant amount of time. Don't put all of the basil in at once. You want to put in small amounts so that you can create a paste as you go. Once the paste of the basil is created, you want to remove it from the mortar and pestle and put it aside. We're going to hold that till a little bit later. Then separately, you'll want to turn the pine nuts into a paste. And then at the end, that's when you'll combine all of your, your basil that's been done, your pine nuts, your cheese if you want it, and then finally extra virgin olive oil until it's all homogenous. The way I like to do it though, the mortar and pestle is great. The food processor is awesome. But the way I like to do it, I actually don't like adding nuts or cheese in mine. And I know that this isn't a traditional way, but I mentioned earlier that there have been so many different variations over the years that who even knows what the traditional way is anymore. But the way I do it, actually, it holds up a lot better when it's in the fridge and it has a way longer shelf life. So I like doing it in the food processor where I combine the garlic, the greens, and a pinch of salt. I whiz it until it all breaks down, and then I drizzle in extra virgin olive oil until it all comes together homogeneously. I kind of do it by eye, and that's kind of a good way to get in the habit of doing it so that if you don't have the exact amount of greens or the amount of basil that you need, it's okay, because then you can kind of just know what it looks like by how it looks in the food processor. So that's my go-to way. And I understand that pestos are typically made with basil, but Really, you can use any green that you have on hand. I find that arugula is really nice, baby kale, spinach. You want leafy greens that are going to be softer in nature. 
The reason I said baby kale versus fully grown kale is because fully grown kale has kind of a more tough consistency to it, and it's going to be harder for the, the machine or even your hand to break it down. Think outside the box when it comes to pesto. I know we're talking authenticity today, but think outside the box when it comes to pesto, just as a way to utilize the greens that you have in your fridge. All right. So on our world trip, this is our final stop, and we're going further east to the Indian subcontinent, where chutneys, also known as condiments or sauces, are on every table. So the term chutney is used pretty indiscriminately for both fresh and pickled sauces, and the ingredients can vary from like mango to coconut to ginger to mint to tomato. You can literally turn any fruit or veggie into a chutney. But the one we're talking about in particular today is the green chutney. And it is a great addition to most Indian dishes or a great alternative dipping sauce for proteins and veggies. It's also delicious on potatoes and naan and other breads, basically any carbohydrate. Okay, so the basic green chutney. This is where cilantro thrives and it is forefront, but it's also paired with mint. So for this recipe, you'll want two cups of cilantro, one cup of mint, a teaspoon of cumin, four green chilies or less, depending on how spicy you want it, two garlic cloves, a quarter to a half inch of ginger, fresh. If you have dried, I'd probably use about a half a teaspoon and one to one and a half tablespoons of lemon juice or lime juice, and then add salt as needed. In addition to the lemon or lime juice, it can be really fresh to also add the zest from there. So don't waste that outside zest. So with this, you can kind of keep it on the chunkier side just by doing everything roughly chopped, or you can do like I do and add it into the blender. Blender is really your friend when it comes to green sauces. You want to put everything into the blender at once and then add a tablespoon of water as needed just to make sure all the ingredients are flowing around in the blender. You don't want to add too much because then it'll just be green water. So adding a tablespoon at a time to determine how fluid it needs to be is really key. You want it to be kind of kind of a thicker mixture and it will separate because we don't have any oils in it, right? So like there's nothing to help keep it emulsified. So it will break if you're not stirring it continuously. However, if you don't want it to break and you want it to store in the refrigerator or keep a thicker consistency, you can always add roasted peanuts while you're blending it. And they will add a little bit more of a robust like roasted flavor, but they'll also help keep the sauce emulsified. If you don't have roasted peanuts, that's okay. Add in like a tablespoon of peanut butter and it'll do the same thing. It's good to note that all of these sauces can be stored in the refrigerator for like four to five days. I'd probably go max a week, but if you want them to last longer, you can keep them in the freezer. And a great way to store them is actually in silicone ice cube trays. The reason I recommend this is because then you'll have them all portioned out and all you have to do is grab one or two of the ice cubes of green sauce that you've made. You can add them to rice. You can add them to chicken while it's cooking. It's super versatile. And it's a great quick flavor addition to have on hand, especially on busy weeknights. So these three sauces are just the beginning of what you can do with greens. Use these as inspiration or a launch point to start making green sauces at home. They're all a great addition to rice while cooking or pasta as a sauce. I encourage you to Google green sauce from whatever country, and you'll be surprised how many cultures use herbs to make sauces. Try one that I talked about today, or find one on your own. 
Try making an herb-based sauce today. Who knows? In a few months, you may be pressing the button on your blender, whizzing up your own creation. As always, thanks for listening. Reach out via email at cbrunettiwellness at gmail.com to leave comments or tell me about show topics you'd like to hear. Check out Wellness Cucina's Instagram at chef underscore RDN for cooking tips, recipes, and IGTV videos that relate to the podcasts. I also started doing reels for quick and easy meals, so check out the reels page as well. If you're interested in increasing your skills on pairing flavors so that your DIY sauces come out delicious, book a complimentary call with me. Link is in the show notes.